Zen aims at developing a functionally integrated e-axle ready for implementation in third-generation electric vehicles and therefore ready for mass-market production. Michele De Gennaro, my guest for this episode and team leader of FitGen, holds a PhD in aerospace engineering and is an expert in the fields of smart green and sustainable transport and EU project management. He is currently senior scientist at the Austrian Institute of Technology. Welcome to the EU Project Zone, a podcast series from Enlit and Friends focusing on the energy transition and the EU Commission-funded projects that will help us achieve it. My name is Areti Daradimu and I am the host of the EU Project Zone. Hello, Michele, and welcome to this episode. Thank you very much for being here with me today. Thank you to you for inviting me, Areti, and I'm really pleased to be here with you and with our audience today. So without further ado, I would like to start with my first question. Would you please describe in a few words what the FitGen project is? Sure. So FitGen is a project conceived to deliver an innovative, ultra-efficient and affordable axle for the third generation of fully electric vehicles. Uh, the third generation is intended to be the one that will meet two criteria. The first is that the vehicle is designed from ground up to be fully electric. And the second is that the vehicle is produced and commercialized in large scale, which means order of magnitude of hundreds of thousands of vehicles per year or more. And this is the main difference against previous generations. The third generation electric vehicles are expected to enter the market in the years 25-26 and dominate the automotive stage until 2030. And their main difference compared to previous generation vehicles is that they will be competitive in terms of retail, price, and driving range compared to combustion vehicle. So this will be the generation of EVs that is expected to replace gasoline and diesel cars. The Fijian axle is ready for facing the challenges that this vehicle will pose. At first, we decided to adopt for this axle an 800 volts six-phase architecture, designing the motor and inverter accordingly. However, we don't want to restrict its application to 800 volt only, so we decided to combine it with a DC-DC converter, which makes the E-axle compatible with both 400 and 800 volt architectures, and that can be operated for both traction mode as well as for recharging mode, enabling super fast charge at 120 kilowatt peak. The full system is designed from the ground up and demonstrated on a modified Fiat 500 electric. And who is involved in the project? The project is uh, coordinated by the Austrian Institute of Technology and involves eight partners from six countries. The AT, that is again the coordinator and that is in charge of designing the e-axle cooling system and testing the e-axle at the bench, characterizing its performance. The Stellantis group, which is represented by the Centro Ricerche Fiat, in charge of testing and demonstrating the e-axle on the car. Bruce Electronic from Switzerland, in charge of designing and prototyping the motor inverter. ST Micro from Italy, in charge of designing and prototyping the inverter power modules, that is a key element of innovation in Fijian, making use of the latest generation of silicon carbide switches. GKN from Germany, in charge of prototyping the transmission. Tecnalia from Spain, in charge of the e-motor control. The Polytechnic of Torino from Italy, in charge of demonstrating the 
onboard charging system, and finally the University of Brussels from Belgium, in charge of the life cycle assessment and life cycle cost analysis for the EAXL. In total, the project received 5 million euro of funding from the European Commission under the Horizon 2020 Green Vehicle 2018 program. Excellent. So we have a lot of European countries participating in this project. And who is the target audience? Well, at first, the project aims at reaching automotive end users. In fact, regardless of being demonstrated on a Fiat 500 electric, the Fijian axle is conceived to be modular and brand independent, and it can serve different vehicle brands and configuration, going from a city car to a large SUV, equipping both front and rear axle in a four-wheel driving architecture. Additionally, the Fijian axle aims at impacting the society, bringing the European citizen closer to shifting from combustion to electric vehicles. In fact, one of the barriers that prevents people to purchase electric cars is their high retail price compared to conventional gasoline or diesel vehicles. The two elements that influence the retail price at the most are the cost of the energy storage system, the cost of the battery, as well as the cost of the traction system. And both of them are exacerbated by the relatively low production volume. Fijian works on the traction system lowering the production cost for the motor inverter and transmission group. It is designed to have a production cost of 2,000 euro per unit at scale, and this is very close to the actual production cost of a mid-sized gasoline engine, contributing to push the retail price of electric vehicles in the direction of matching the one of combustion vehicles. That would be great. To be honest, I was looking at full electrical Fiat Cinquecento for myself, and I was a little bit shocked that the price starts at 25,000 euros. However, uh, if let's say this project works out, perhaps in the future I will have a much uh, less price to think of. However, price is not the only, let's say, issue in Europe. Given the diversity of the continent's various grids and the peculiarities of each EU member state, uh, how ready for implementation is the third-generation electric vehicles project? Well, from the grid size, a lot has been done in the last years, but we are still far away to be ready to adopt electric vehicles at scale. And in this context, uh, there are two main elements to be considered. The first is that the recharging grids still needs to be further developed if we want to see electric vehicles deployed at scale on the European roads by the end of this decade. Several studies show that the development that is needed mainly affects the low voltage grid, since mid and high voltage grids are in most cases already fit to sustain a substantial shift from conventional to electric vehicles with no major modification. This is good news. It means that the heart is already okay. We only need a better circularity system. So public funding needs to work on advancing the lower end of the grid by installing charging spots, stations and equipping with charging outlets existing parking areas. This needs a lot of coordination of private investors with local authorities to develop sustainable urban plans, especially in densely populated regions. The second element is a mind shift that the society has to embrace. Electric vehicles are not a one-to-one -one substitute to electric cars, but rather a different product that calls for a different user experience and maybe for a different ownership model. Just to make an example, an electric vehicle can be compared to a conventional car as a modern smartphone can be compared to a feature phone. Both of them can make phone calls, but this does not mean that they are the same product. 
in a certain sense, electric vehicles can do more and as the technology develops, will offer a much better user experience and a much safer user experience compared to combustion cars. I'm referring, for instance, to autonomous driving. But we must give the time to the technology to develop and deploy, while mobility will move away from the car ownership model to migrate towards an integrated system. The end user product is not a car anymore in this system, but the mobility service and the experience of the mobility service itself and electric vehicles are a component of the mobility and the energy grid, along with other transport means. And how can we ensure an affordable, super fast charge capability? The question uh, is, uh, in my opinion, uh, how often we do need to have a super fast charge. And the answer is uh, maybe not so often. This is a little bit counterintuitive, but most people tend to overestimate their needs. There are several studies that shows that half of the private vehicles, half, 50%, drive less than 200 kilometers a week. So basically it means that they are parked 99.9% .9 of the time. And only 3% of private users drive more than 150 kilometers a day on average. So for the vast majority of private user scenarios, 95% and more, higher mileage is not a requirement. So superfast charge is not a need. The only scenario where superfast charge is needed is in the case of long road trips. And this is a scenario that is met a few times a year for most users. In this case, superfast charge is needed and the superfast charging grid needs to be deployed mainly along motorways where the driver can stop, rest and recharge battery in 15, 20 minutes. Very much likely it happens today with gas station. It's affordability, so it's not a major obstacle because it's very rare that will happen. And it can be more expensive than slow charge without having a detrimental effect on the market. In fact, as far as cars are equipped with systems capable of receiving superfast charge, as the Fidgeny Axle does, these user scenarios can be covered and the customer can be satisfied. When we're discussing immobility in general, one of the things that comes to mind immediately is digitalization. So I would like to ask you a rather, a little bit generic, let's say, question. Uh, which technologies best enable digitalization? And do you think that Europe is a front runner in the world? This is a very wide uh, question and it calls for a wide answer. So it's undoubted that digitalization is one major driver of our modern global economy. Pointing towards a single technology is quite difficult. However, I see the development of distributed data acquisition, processing and storage as a key element that will determine the business success of products and services in the next decade. This is connected with two main industries. The industry of semiconductor for microelectronic application on the hardware side and the industry of artificial intelligence on the software side. The recent events linked to the global crisis of the semiconductor industry have in fact proven how dependent we are from this technology and therefore how dependent we are from those that owns the technology itself. Looking at the industry of semiconductor for microelectronic application, it is astonishing to see how half of the global production is in the end of a single Taiwanese player, a very big one, which is TSMC, and how the shortage in production there has affected multiple industries from the automotive down to the smartphone and PC industry. Moving to the positioning of Europe, our union has the capacity, know-how and human potential for being a front runner in digitalization. 
But at the same time, we have to accept that most of the hardware industry in this field is located in Asia, and we will not be in the position of competing with them. Therefore, Europe must invest either in the manufacturing of end-user products which makes use of these technologies along the value chain, or investing in the competencies, or both of them. Tackling the development of a digitalization software industry that today is dominated by U.S. The automotive industry and the autonomous driving system industry can be two solid examples of hardware and software digital industries where Europe can be a front runner. It is therefore, in my opinion, through the development of competencies according to the model of knowledge-based economy that inspired the Horizon program that Europe can position itself in the decades to come. Excellent. This is quite an optimistic view because, as you said, yes, it is a hard, let's say, race out there, a difficult one, but there are options for Europe and that is good to know. And what are we missing in Europe or what should we change when it comes to regulation? And here I intend both on a European level, so the EU Commission, and on a local authorities level. Of course, regulation is a key element to ensure a healthy, competitive market for electric vehicles. Looking at the European and global level, the adoption of quality and safety standards will be key to ensure a competitive market and avoid the entry of low-quality products that, on the long run, will slow down the transition from conventional to electric cars. A virtual example in the upcoming regulation is the in-vehicle battery durability regulation. The European Commission, together with the American, Canadian and Japanese counterparts, started in 2017 to work to a regulation proposal to present in the form of a United Nations Global Technical Regulation that prescribes the minimum durability requirements that an automotive battery must comply with to enter the market. After five years of work, this will be voted in the United Nations during next March, March 22, setting a milestone in the history of deployment of electric vehicles, defending both the customer from low-quality products, as well as the environment, avoiding generating unnecessary battery waste with low-quality products. Similar initiatives are ongoing to regulate and characterize the first and second life of battery cells, linking the automotive to the energy sector, as well as the reuse and recycling of rare hearts from electric motors magnets. So a lot is happening and we have also to give the time to regulation to develop. Looking at the local level, as I said before, the focus must be on deploying the electric grid. In fact, assuring a capillary recharging grid powered with renewable energies will be essential to boost the acceptance and the adoption of electric vehicles. In other words, a nice collaboration between local and EU authorities would be, let's say, the way forward for a robust regulation. Indeed. Michele, thank you very much for this very interesting discussion and for being here with us today. Thank you to you and wish you a nice rest of the day. You've been listening to the EU Project Zone podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and the Enlit Europe website. Just hit subscribe and you can access our other episodes too. I am Areti Daradimu, host of this podcast series, and I thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the EU Project Zone podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and the Enlit Europe website. Just hit subscribe and you can access our other episodes too. I am Areti Daradimu, host of this podcast series, and I thank you for joining us. Music